You're listening to Oh No Lit Class. Mostly dead authors, fresh takes. Ruining required reading, one book at a time. to Oh No Lit Class, the podcast that has detention for reading comic books during algebra class. I'm Megan. I'm RJ. And I'm Chris, and I totally did that. <laughs> but there you go. Um, it's This is Chris, and he is very special because this is our first long-distance guest ever. Chris isn't just someone that we pulled into our apartment by force. I'm not new to long-distance relationships. I, I don't know how to interpret that. <laughs> I'm not either. Are, 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 are you guys been having like a steamy, torrid affair? And yes. I just, oh, all right. You weren't supposed to tell her. <laughs> Too bad. <laughs> well, now the whole world knows. It's, yeah, okay. I, I guess. I own it. I'm leaving my wife. Me and RJ are going to run off to Idaho. Is there a reason why it's specifically Idaho? Potatoes. And I like the blue baseball field. That's a baseball football field, <laughs> not a baseball field. Because those are the same thing. And they're into MMF up there. <laughs> Two males, female. Come on now. It's me and the wife that are running off. And him. No, you said he's leaving his wife. Oh, you're leaving you. the wife? You get, keep up. Come on. Oh, shit. I thought we were We can pick somebody up on the way. We'll be fine. Uh, yeah, okay. You guys, here's this. I was you're, okay with Sharon. You're, you're a mess. The, the, the two of you are a mess. So today we have brought Chris on the show to talk about... Potatoes. Yes, potatoes. Boise State ex- Extramarital affairs. And... The 2007 stop Fiesta Bowl. Stop talking. Hey, Chris, what book did you read? I read Watership Down, and I cried. As we're going to talk about, crying while reading Watership Down is a perfectly valid experience. Is it? Yes. No, so today we're talking about Watership Down, which is a classic British children's novel about rabbit murder. Yay! I don't know... Uh, how often this sort of gets assigned as required reading per se, but it definitely fits into the genre of kind of classic recognized um, literature. And it also traumatized a bunch of kids. In more ways than one. Yeah, in what it's true. They, they did a movie, they traumatized more kids. And 30-year-olds. I read this, I read Watership Down when I was, I think, either 12 or 13. And so it was It was great. RJ, you are not familiar with this at all. I've never heard of this. How have you never at least even heard of it? I have no idea what we're doing. <laughs> okay, it's a story it's... about a boat, and it goes down. <laughs> That's yep, what I would assume. That ship goes right down the water. You never know what we're doing, so I mean, like, it's No, I know course. books. <laughs> this I do not know. I've never heard of this. This is like, well, it is foreign to me. It's Br- British. It's foreign. That counts. Yeah. And then... I don't read that stuff anymore. <laughs> that, that, you, Charles Dickens is one of your favorite... Oh, tariffs uh, are up now. Great. I, you know, uh, good evergreen content. And so, Chris, how did you come to Watership Down? One of my friends was always talking about loving this book and loving the author, and i just never gotten around to it. So I'm looking through all these suggestions, and somebody named Megan kept saying... We need to get you on my show. Pick a book. And I pick a book. Oh, we're already doing that one. Or that author's not dead. Or no, I will not do a comic book. 
Okay, no, it's not that I will not do a comic book. I don't even remember what comic book you suggested. Don't don't throw. I said the tick. You me. won't do the tick. Okay, yeah, no, I'm not gonna do the tick, Christopher. Gosh. Yes, Megathin. So instead, we're doing we're doing Watership Down, which, like we just have said like three times, is a book about bunny rabbits. But it's also a dense, mythologically and philosophically heavy story about bunny rabbits that covers themes of freedom, war, destiny, power, politics, and fear, and quotes, and this is just like a small sampling here. Shakespeare, William Blake, W.H. Auden, Thomas Hardy, The Epic of Gilgamesh, Dostoevsky, Plato, The Bible, some people I've never even fucking heard of, like German military theorist Karl von Clausewitz, and an ancient Greek soldier named Xenophon. Xenophon. Xena, warrior princess. Also, the hunt for that sweet, sweet opposite gender companionship. <laughs> it is true. I mean, the the majority of the book is about fucking and the desire to fuck, but they're rabbits. I mean, if we could forgive any one of this. So yeah, you know, for kids. Yeah, so, for kids. For kids. You know, for kids. <laughs> Uh, so, RJ, you want to tell us about Richard Adams, the the Britishman at the heart of this very dense, very complicated, very emotional and, and heart, heartstring-tearing act story? Sure. So, Richard George Adams, colloquially known as Dickie G. Oh, boy. Was born May You're 9th. You're not even trying anymore. He's Dickie G. Richard George. <laughs> I don't know what you want from me. I don't know anymore, to What's be wrong fair. With G? There's nothing wrong with Dickie G. Regale us. Dickie G was born May 9th, 1920, and died on December 24th, 2016. Now, see, dying on Christmas Eve is some harsh shit, but it's also a power move. See, you want to make sure your family never forgets when you died? Die in very close proximity to a big-ass holiday. That shit will scar them for life. Remember how Grammy used to make cookies for Christmas every year? Now no. she's dead. Yeah, no, all I can think about is how we lost Pop-Pop last Christmas, you asshole. Tower move. Yeah, I'm sure he planned it out that way. Like, he was just oh, hanging on. Oh, we'll get to this. Oh. Anyway, Dickie G was born in Berkshire, England. He was the son of Lillian and Evelyn. Yep, Lillian Eve. Those were his biological parents. Do you want to venture to guess which one of Lily or Eve was his dad? Um, I mean, that's tough, because you start getting into British naming conventions, and, and, and things do get a little weird. So here, I'm going to guess Evelyn. What about you? I'm going to guess the milkman. <laughs> Mom was Lillian Rose Budden, a homemaker, and Dad was Evelyn George Beaton Adams. Nailed it! A doctor. I guess Dad took pity on old Dickie G and didn't want to stick him with his first name of Eve, so he passed on the middle name George. And to make it clear his son was a boy and would never, ever be mistaken for having a girl's name, he gave him the name Dick. Because that is literally the manliest thing to do. So, yeah, not, not Ernest. No. Dick. <laughs> Ernest could be anything. Ernestine. Anyway. I would feel so bad for someone named Ernestine. Oh, my God. There are people out there. I've met them. What? Yeah. What? Yeah. No. Yeah. Shit. So, Dickie G's upbringing uh, did not have a lot that actually sticks out. He was young, he hit puberty, and he continued to grow, as one does. 
Since his dad was a doctor, the family was able to afford to send Dickie G to posh, ritzy private schools, including Bartfield College, which actually isn't a college. We would think of it more of a high school. While there, Dickie G rubbed elbows with the crotch fruit of the rich and famous in England, with the likes of children of Ronald Muwenda Mutebi II, the current king of Buganda, a sub-kingdom within Uganda. Now, how, how did you, what, now, how, when? The, the question I have is, how do you think that goes over at reunion parties? Like, oh, hey guys, how's life for you? Oh, you know, I'm just a king now. I'm just the king of a sub-kingdom of Uganda. You know how it is. Yeah. How did you find this out? I looked up this college, see if they had any notable people, and they got the king of Buganda. <laughs> they got the guy who wrote Watership Down and the king of, what was it, Buganda? It is a sub-kingdom of Uganda. Nice. After Bradfield College, Dickie G made his way over to Worcestershire College, or Worcester, Worcester College. I don't know what this is. I'm gesturing at Chris that he can participate. No, I'm talking. Just to give you an idea of the people who have graced Worcester College, uh, with or, their Worcestershire. Yeah, other than Dickie G. Like the sauce. Uh, Rupert Murdoch, <laughs> uh, Oana Kagan, and Hermione. Very impressive. When it was 1940 and Dickie G was 20, he got swept up in the war effort. He was sent to work in the Royal Army Service Corps. He worked with the Airborne Company as a brigade liaison. We gotta, we gotta start going further back. <laughs> we gotta just, every, every episode is World War II. Happens. He spent time in Palestine in the Far East during his six-year stint. Yet, he never actually saw any direct combat, which is all well and good. He returned to Worcester to find his, or not to find, but to rather finish his bachelor's degree. To find his bachelor's degree. It's out there somewhere. It was out there. It took a few years of studying and he found it. I could feel it. They buried in the woods and basically just take cartography for a few years until you could actually find it. Are you sure you're pronouncing Worcester? Because I always feel like it's, because I don't think it's going to be Worcester. I don't know. I feel like they're always like Worcestershire. Worcestershire. That. It's definitely not that. It's definitely Worcestershire. It does have Shire. You need your long I. (laughs) There's no I in there. It's all E's. Okay, to be be fair, confirmed, no I's. So after he got his bachelor's degree. I say with an I anyway. (laughs) After he got his bachelor's degree, he went on to work on his master's degree in modern history. By the time he was done with both degrees, it was 1953 and he was 33. Turns out, giving six years over to the Army really eats into your lifespan. After graduating, Dickie began working for the British Civil Service, eventually rising to the rank of Assistant Secretary to the Ministry of Housing and Local Government. Ooh. Now, for those of you who are keeping score at home and are nerds or just fans of Netflix's The Crown, the head of the <laughs> Ministry of Housing and Local Government while Dickie G was there was Harold McMillan who was the prime minister after Anthony Eden. Okay, did we get to McMillan? Yes, because it went... Because I remember when Anthony Eden got, got sick, and yes, that was and the so whole thing. Yes, and so McMillan's the next one. He was just He was just there. Well, because the, the season, season two, it was more just about Philip Philip not being able to keep it in his pants. Yes, it goes Winston, Anthony, and then Harold. On this episode of Oh No, Netflix is the Crown... <laughs> It was after his college days and during the early part of his career that Dickey actually began to write during his spare time, never really ever having spent any time writing before. At the age of 29, Dickey G. married Barbara Elizabeth Ackland. The two were married for the rest of Dickey G.'s life, and the two wound up having two daughters together during their marriage, Juliet and Rosamund. Rosamund. I have no idea how you would say it. 
Uh, British people. Unlike most authors we cover here on Ono oh Lit Class, Dickie's first published work was probably also his most popular and the one that we're covering today, Watership Down. Now, the story came about as a story Dickie told his two daughters during a car trip. The daughters loved the story and insisted that he write it. In a 1975 interview, actually with the local Miami Herald. Now, how about that? Yeah. Miami of England? Yeah, yes, My- Miami, Miami Fordshire. <laughs> uh, well, vocal to us. <laughs> Dickie G told the Miami Herald that, quote, It was while we were driving to Stratford once, and they were begging for stories, that Watership Down began. All the principal ingredients were extemporized off the top of my head. It was about a fortnight before I finished telling it to them for the first time. This whole thing was just off this this saga of rabbits that we are about to unfold for you was you know just off the dome, and and also just that you know they're like driving along and, he, and they're just like we want a story, Daddy, and he's like oh would you like would you like a story about uh, bunny rabbits? Yes. But would you also like it to have politics, mysticism, murder, and totalitarian governments? But there's rabbits, right? Yes, there's still rabbits. Okay, then we're good. Wait, there's rabbits? <laughs> yes, there's, there's rabbits. Oh, you know what this means. <laughs> no, I don't. Do you smell it? Is it Chris? No. Nope. Does Chris smell? No. Nope. It's time for this week's Cooking with RJ. What? Yep. No, how? So you're cooking a rabbit. Oh, Delicious. No, no. Here's what you need to do. It's actually pretty simple. No. It's only three steps. Have you even eaten a rabbit before? Yes, I have. Delicious. It's pretty good. It, it, it really is. is. I feel like it would be, it'd be small and, and sad and, and... Slow and low. That is the tempo. Anyway, Blue Apron's paying for this spot, Meg. They're not paying for this spot. <laughs> Blue Apron is not paying for this spot. <laughs> Cook with RJ, brought to you by Green Apron. Brought to you by Stained Apron. Anyway, you want rabbit. Rabbit's delicious. No, I don't three, want rabbit. Three-step process. Oh, I guess four-step process. <laughs> Step one, go out, find a rabbit, kill the rabbit, bring the rabbit home. That's like four steps right there. Can I get one of the rabbits that come in my front yard in the morning? Go for it. Sweet. The fatter, the better. Oh, you preheat God. your oven to 350 degrees. Now, what you do after you clean the rabbit is you season the rabbit. Wait, so that's a whole other step you just skipped over. Oh, 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 oh. Now, you season the rabbit with salt and pepper. You cover it in some vegetable oil. You brown it on all sides. Is this like from like Alton Brown's website? You then put it in a baking dish. And here's what you combine. Sugar, onion, ketchup, garlic, paprika, Worcestershire sauce, and a little bit of water. You then put the whole thing in the oven for 90 minutes uncovered. Magnifique. You got roasted rabbit. Oh, God. And that's... You've got traumatized listeners. Cooking with RJ. Pop it up with a nice polenta cake. That actually sounds pretty good. Anyway, I can't, I can't. Dickie G began working on the manuscript in 1966 and completed it in 1968. So it took two years to write after taking just two weeks to tell the story to the daughters. Mm. So typer. Bit more than a fortnight. It took him another four years to actually find someone to publish the story in 1972 when he was 52 years old. See, you're never too old to reach for the stars. There you go. Him and uh, Madeline, Madeline Longle. So the publisher he eventually found was Rex Collins. He was a small publisher in London. And when he took the novel on, he reached out to uh, a colleague of his and he said, quote, I've just taken on a novel. Wait, wait, wait. It's a good quote. You got to do it in a voice. Oh, 
I've just taken on a novel about rabbits, one of them with extrasensory perception. Do you think I'm mad? <laughs> do you think I'm mad? I like the the only semi-competent British accent you could do is just Matt Smith. <laughs> I have no idea who that is. That is Philip and and the eleventh uh, Doctor. Ew, ew, and Prince Philip. And it's a book about rabbits with extrasensory perception. What his colleague said is, she gave him credit. Quote: A book as bizarre by an unknown writer, which had been turned down by the major London publishers, but it was also dazzlingly brave and intuitive. <laughs> He got the review copy onto every desk in London. That matters. That's your quoting anymore. No, that's what they said. That's what she said about him. Oh, okay. That that it was intuitive. It was great. And he might not have had a lot of money, but he got a review copy onto every desk in London that mattered. All right. So if if nothing else, he did believe in Adams' story about... ESP rabbits. So millions of copies of Watership Down were sold within the years immediately following publication, and Dickie G is one of only six authors to ever sweep the British Children Book Awards. Well, Hot shit. There you go. You see, you're just like, I never heard of this book. What's this book? I don't know these rabbits. Clean sweep on I, on book awards. I'm not big on British children literature. So Dickie went on to publish several more works and became an ambassador for British children literature. He also came to live stateside for a bit, becoming a writer in residence at both the University of Florida, go Gators, and Holland University based in Virginia. What is up with him just hanging out in Florida? Oh. I mean, like, no, I'm not, I'm not complaining. We, we don't have much going for us. It's cool. I went to in Florida. It's nice this time of year. Now you're just doing a slightly pitched down Truman Capote, so... <laughs> Aside from the short time he spent in the U.S., he spent the remainder of his life with his family in England. As mentioned earlier, he died on Christmas Eve 2016 while living in Oxford uh, from a blood disorder. His daughter, Juliet, said at the time of his passing, Christmas Eve is, quote, a rather magical night. It's the night that traditionally the animals and birds can talk. It was absolutely typical of Dad that he would choose such a night on which to leave this world. Aw. Well, that, I mean, when, when she puts it that way, it's less... Fuck you, kids, I'm going to ruin Christmas forever. And we're like, oh, yes, father has gone off to be with the birds and the animals. He's drifted away into fairyland, as the Brits are wont to do. In the newspaper, when they announced his death, they did the whole end of this book. There you go, Dickie G. All right. They can't all be club bangers. Some of them just, you know, live their lives and do their thing. He's quiet. Gator, though. Gator Nation's everywhere. Nah. We could forgive him for his faults. Meg, do you know? (laughs) Do you know how we know? God is a Gator fan, because the ocean's blue and the sky's orange. Uh, wait, what? Yep. What's wrong with your sky? That's the sun, man. You ever see the sun? <laughs> see, in England, you might not, but in Florida, you definitely do. Yep, that's why he came to Florida, because he'd never he'd never seen the sun before. No, it's like always gray over there. Yeah. In all the movies. It's true. Yeah. I've been there. I can confirm. I never saw the sun. Ooh, another great day is... <laughs> when would you go to... You when were you... Hello, that, that. England. Between graduating college and getting married. Cool. How long were you there for? Uh, we were there for a couple of days, and then it was around Europe. And there was just no sun. There was no. Well, in England, once we got it outside that little border, the sun came out. <laughs> so there's just like a barrier around England keeping the sun out. Exactly. All right, that checks out. That sounds about right. 
The uh, the one thing that I wanted to mention before we get into it is that while it may not be as famous as Elvish or Klingon or what have you, but Adams straight up made his own fucking workable rabbit language for this book called Lapin. It is a fully constructed, thought-out language that is enough of a thing that it has its own dedicated Wikipedia page, entirely separate from the novel itself. So, my friend that really wanted me to read this book, the first thing I texted her is, what the fuck is up with this stupid rabbit language? Why can't you just say they went outside to poop? Nah, you gotta say it in the fancy way. I, I left a lot of it out of like the notes that I wrote, because it's a weird, fanciful rabbit language. It has no basis in anything that I could pick up at all. And then when it starts to make sense, it's weird. Well, the book came with a glossary, people. I got the dollar store version. We didn't oh. have that. Oh, there you go. But yeah, what's neat is when that can happen, like when you're reading something and you're like, I, what are what are these nonsense words? And then you're like halfway through and you're like, wait, I have all the context clues now. That happened when I read Clockwork Orange, where this first page is like, these aren't words. And then your brain just adapts really interesting something else that's cool is he lived long enough to do an ama on reddit and it really answered questions didn't just sit there and go all matthew mcconaughey let's talk about my book they asked him how he went about creating this functioning rabbit language that has been compared to like tolkien what what tolkien's made and stuff and he went "Eh, i made it up as i went along although i guess if i'm gonna do that i'd be like oh i just made it up as i went along Every time I needed a word, I would invent a new word, just fancifully out of the air as the English do, which is like, damn, man. And this isn't even the only time he's done this. He made up a whole other language for his other fantasy book that he wrote because he's just an extra dude. One fantasy language was not enough for him. So, RJ, do you want us to tell you about the rabbits? I already told you how to cook them. But first you have to grow them, and we're going to tell you where the rabbits came from. Yes. Roast them, cook them, where put where them the in the rabbits stew, are right? grown. This episode is brought to you, as always, by our beautiful, currently, Baker's Dozen of patrons. That's 13. Yes, we have 13 patrons right now. Whoa. I know. It it floors me, too. What I want you to do, Meg, Mm. is read the names as if you were Edwin Starr. Who? The singer. Who? Of War. really hard maybe you should read it no no i don't have access i I could just hold this up for you i can't read (laughs) the secret's out well here i need you to to uh open it up with no whoa no No? (laughs) our patrons good god what are they good for being really awesome let me name some like alex melina also, Chris Osborne, he's on this episode. Say it again. He's at Play Comics. There's Ariel at Ariel Teague on Twitter. You're getting old too, James Brown. <laughs> I'm doing my best. There's Ben. Good God. He's at KNSJM. Then there's also Lucas at Hello Lotrizel. You're doing Living in America. <laughs> You have lost it. Yeah, well, give me something. I got half the names left still. 
You could do the last half. It's living in America. I don't remember how living in America. Living in America. We're also supported by Not Alone Podcast and Not Alone Pod. And Janet, Jen, and Karen. And also Dirk, damn it, at Killing You Guy. And then there's Tanner. God, that was really bad. Jesus. Thanks, guys. We survived due to your continued support. This episode's pod pals are Loaded Literature. Pretty new show, kind of just got started, where three lovely ladies get together and do it up book club style, which means that the BYOB is bring your own book and bring your own booze. So yeah, no, uh, give them some love, welcome them, and uh, check them out. Do you love books and booze? Do you like themed food? Do you like a mixture of high and lowbrow? Well then, welcome to Loaded Literature. We're your hosts. I'm Victoria. I'm Hale. And I'm Anya. This podcast began as a book club that expanded beyond our reading room. We cover one book in a month and break it down by analysis, background context, and adaptions. All of which will be paired with alcohol and food. So please, come join our book club. Episodes air Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find us on social media at LoadedLiteraturePodcast.com, LoadedLitPod on Twitter, or LoadedLiterature on Instagram. We all have our own individual social media, so please follow us there as well, and come join the conversation. Our story begins with two young rabbit brothers. Hazel. And Bugs. And no, not Bugs. Bugs is suspiciously absent, although I guess it's because he's not a British bunny. These are good English bunnies. Hazel and... So, these bunnies, not cut. They took the right turn at Albuquerque. Oh, yeah, there we go. Deep cuts. And, yes, presumably these rat... Wait, what? (laughs) Okay, no, I really almost finished that sentence with, yeah, these rabbits (laughs) probably aren't circumcised. What have you done to me, (laughs) you monster? Bugs, though, yes. (laughs) what a rabbit dick looks like okay babs is the chick duck not the chick duck <laughs> chick bunny <laughs> come on you gotta keep the animals yeah. straight here is it babs no wait like... why are you bringing in the minor bunnies <laughs> she's just a child she's no, 15 no, not the pink one i'm talking about the adult one in space jam yeah no the pink one oh is that's the lola child. she's totally yeah. fair game yeah bab babs and buster were the the tiny tunes oh, oh it is lola bunny look at that i wasn't i I saw Space Jam like 20 times when I was a kid. I love that movie. Her species is rabbit. Great. Are you experiencing any awakenings right now? Because apparently Lola Bunny was a sexual awakening for a lot of children coming up in the 90s. And presumably a lot of furries coming up in the 90s. Now I'm just wondering where they are in this universe. Wow. Oh my god. Chris just showed me a picture of what a rabbit dick looks like. It's like a claw. It's like an. It's like two angry it's re- claws. It's ridiculous. What it's I'm like more, a stabbing implement. What I'm more interested in is the Lola Bunny is still used in cartoons, I guess. Yeah, and like um, the most recent. She's run it had on like Cartoon Network or she, something. She was voiced by Kristen Wiig recently. Yeah, that's a, that's the a thing. That makes her hotter. Anyway, rabbit dicks look fucked up. Google rabbit dicks, mm-hmm. you guys. I promise it's not like traumatizing like minion porn or anything, but. It's traumatizing in its own special way. Yeah. Where's Roger? What? Roger Rabbit. Again, not a British rabbit. How about Jessica Rabbit? That's a people. Can we start this? But her name is Rabbit. 
by marriage. That makes a fart rabbit. Things should be named what they are. This podcast is named Ono Lit Class. Can we start the, the, the lit? The Velveteen Rabbit? I don't know about you, but this is how my lit class went. Uh, Thumper? Is Thumper around? Thumper is not British. I don't know how many more times I'm going to be able to say Ooh. You're just reading off a list of pop culture rabbits. I'm going to close your computer. You're going to lose your computer privileges. The Easter Bunny? Okay! <laughs> privileges. Revoked. A lot of rabbits in the uh, greater zeitgeist. Yep, there sure are a lot of rabbits. So let's talk about these specific rabbits. Two young rabbit brothers. Their names are Hazel and Fiverr. Fiverr? Yeah, Fiverr. Like, hey, oh, you got a Fiverr, mate. Fiverr is the runt of like a litter of five or so rabbits. And, and that's why he's called that. And I had to look that up on a wiki because when I read it, I'm like, I don't see if it has. Uh, anyway, Hazel and Fiverr are just out like nibbling grass and whatnot. I'm sorry, they're syphilis? <laughs> oh yeah, they're, they're, they're syphilis. They're not just eating grass, they're syphilis. Because we have to use his magical rabbit language. But yeah, they're doing that, as, as rabbits do, until... Motherfucker, there's a Duracell bunny? What yeah, you didn't know that? What the fuck is that? No, I didn't. <laughs> what is that nightmare rabbit? Holy shit. It looks like the it clown killed the Energizer bunny and is wearing his skin. What? He looks like a Five Nights at Freddy's uh, character. He does! Why'd they steal from Energizer? I don't know. See, I'm learning a lot. You're you, you, you're just completely oh, derailing this beginning. The Playboy Bunny. Today on Animal yeah. Identification with RJ. Oh, <laughs> the Nesquik Bunny. Rabbit naming with RJ. Hazel, Fiverr, in a field, eating grass, as rabbits do. Until Fiverr has an apocalyptic vision of the field that they're in soaked in blood, as rabbits do. Now, uh, rabbits lay eggs, right? Yes. Yeah, the Cadbury Paint, guy. Painted eggs. Yeah. Painted Cadbury eggs. So, apparently... That's weird. It is. Fiverr is a magic rabbit, except instead of, like, coming out of magician's hats, he has spooky premonitions and visions of the future. So the two rabbits also notice a sign posted out in the field, and they can't read it because they're just a pair of dumb, illiterate animals, but the reader learns that it's a sign announcing a brand new housing development. Bum, bum, bum. See, you got the timing perfect on this. Gentrification. I've done this podcast thing a few times. Yeah, you, you've been in this podcasting game a while. Fiverr has a nightmare about bad times befalling their warren. So he and Hazel convince a member of the special rabbit police that the Ausla? Works for me. Sure. Called Bigwig to let them talk to the chief. And there are just so many things going on in that sentence. I don't even know where to start. Rabbit premonitions of doom, a rabbit police, a rabbit police officer named Bigwig. It's, it's great. I don't know. Except it's not great. Because our two rabbit brothers tell the chief of their warren, which is called Sandalford Warren, by the way, that they all need to leave because bad things are going to happen. And he's like, no. Like, I'm not going to move an entire fucking warren of rabbits just because, like, one twitchy little guy has a bad dream, which, I mean, is pretty reasonable. But Chief Rabbit, it was blood and death everywhere. Yeah, but that sounds hard. We're all gonna die. <laughs> nope, don't care. Already doing something else. Drag him away. <laughs> take, take him away. I think he, he's mad that they interrupted his nap. His rabbit nap. You call that a rap? <laughs> Hazel. <laughs> I don't even know why that's funny. It just it just happens. You just you just go with it. So instead, Hazel and Fiverr decide to fuck off from Sandalford Warren by themselves, 
along with some other rabbits that they've convinced to come along with them, which is a, a surprising amount of rabbits, given that, like, Fiverr's nightmare vision is all they have to go on. There's the Owsler Rabbit Bigwig, along with Dandelion, Blackberry, Hawkbit, Buckthorn, Pipkin, Acorn, Speedwell, Donner, Blitzen, Jermaine, Tito, Sleepy, Bashful, and Doc. Now, let's not forget one thing. Peter Rabbit. Big, Bigwig and Peter Rabbit were not originally going to be going with them. This is true. Bigwig went down there to talk to the Chief Rabbit, and the Chief Rabbit's like, bitch, you better get back outside. And Bigwig said, all right, fine, cool, I'm just going to leave you. And they left. So you, you can figure out at what point I just I just started making up rabbit names there. As they are leaving, though, they get attacked by a rabbit Doc. named... Was Doc the made-up one? Yeah, Doc was the made-up one. Mm. They get attacked by a rabbit named Captain Holly, which sounds adorable, because he thinks they're trying to overthrow the chief in a rabbit coup, which sounds adorable. Just like an adorable little rabbit uprising. They're savage. <laughs> well, Did you ever get bit by a rabbit? I have. When did you get bit by a rabbit? When we owned a rabbit. What? Wait, we you owned a rabbit? Yeah. What was his name? Ash. Ash, because it was gray. Yep. How did I know? And my it, brother named it. Oh, and it, it was really my brother's a rabbit. <laughs> and it bit you. Yep. Was it was it a mean rabbit or were you just holding it bad? Yeah. Half a one, half dozen of the other. Fair enough. Look, don't stick your pinky in its ass. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. Don't stick your pinky in a rabbit's ass. Rule number one of rabbit care. Unless you're stuffing the rabbit. See, then what you do is you get it good up and in there. Anyway. Now, I recommend a cornbread dressing for your rabbit. It really will sop up those rabbit juices. I mean, Chris suggested a polenta cake a little earlier. <laughs> it's all coming together. Ooh, baby, we got a stew going. So the alive rabbits that are not in a stew, they set out on their journey, they escape the warren, and they go to find a new home. And to pass the time, Hazel asks Dandelion to tell them all stories about the mythical rabbit... Steve. Steve. It's, it's yeah, much easier than El El Steve Elvis the Rabbit. <laughs> yes, that's what Elvis sounds like. Yeah. <laughs> Ain't nothing but a hound dog. No, that's later. We get some ancient rabbit lore and myths with like tricksters and gods and all that fun stuff. And this I is call also that ancient roar. Rabbit lore, otherwise known as roar. <laughs> This also has the quote from the book that I, I like best and also that everyone knows because it, like many great quotes, is usually out of context, uncredited, and superimposed over like a, a fucking shooting star on someone's wrist tattoo or something. Bunnies don't make noise when they fuck. That's not true. I'm sure they make a lot of noise. It's those cotton balls. See, Chris doesn't know when to talk because he can't see when you're about to lean into the mic and say something stupid. <laughs> Cotton balls. Okay, cotton balls. You can't you can't hear them when they fuck because they have cotton balls. Are you looking up jokes <laughs> online now? Oh, that's a good idea. Oh, shit. All right. <laughs> Funny joke. The quote, which the sun god Frith says to El- El- Elvis, Steve, he says that he would bless rabbits with speed and cleverness so that they could survive. And it is as follows. He says, all the world will be your enemy, prince with a thousand enemies. And whenever they catch you, they will kill you. But first... They must catch you, digger, listener, runner, prince with a swift warning. Be cunning and full of tricks, and your people will never be destroyed. So maybe it's a little long for a wrist tattoo. Lower back tattoo, maybe. Yeah, there we go. Hey, Meg. Yeah, RJ? What do you call a bunny transformer? I don't know. Hop the Miss Prime? Oh, you son of a bitch. Hey, Meg. 
No, no. At least spread them out, okay? What are 400 no, no, rabbits? No, no, Spread them out as needed or they're all... They're... A receding heroine. <laughs> <laughs> but speaking of running to avoid being killed, as Dandelion finishes the story, the rabbits narrowly escape getting murdered by something called a Lendry. Do you know what a Lendry is, Chris? I do. It's something that wants to eat a rabbit. <laughs> True. <laughs> It's Adams' super special rabbit language word for a badger. And so they, they escape him. They got a raft across a river on a piece of wood. And then they get attacked by crows. And then a human shoots at them with a gun. And oh yeah, they also almost get run over crossing a road. So it's just good times for the rabbit gang. And again, like this is all on just Fiverr's word about his magic rabbit visions. You have to presume he's been right before. Otherwise, I mean, they're just going to yeah. think he's crazy, which they do. Pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> they kind of do. In fact, a few of the rabbits come to Hazel and they're like, this sucks and we want to go home. And Hazel's like, nah, trust me, guys, it's going to be great. We're going to have our own warren and we're going to live off the land and we're going to have a farm full of men named Lenny and George that you can raise. Oh, come on. That was a good joke. And other rabbits are like, and we can't go home because they're going to kill us. So now they're all stuck out in the wilderness. Yeah. That's such a weird thing, though. Like, they're, if we go home, they're going to kill us because rabbit reasons? I don't know. These, these inter-rabbit politics are very confusing. But uh, Fiverr has another vision of hills that they need to head for. And although this vision does tell them that it's going to suck along the way, that it's going to be good when they get there. And eventually they find a perfect open field. And they kind of, like poke at it but they don't start digging because despite the fact that they're named things like dandelion and holly and blackberry they're all boy rabbits and only girl rabbits dig burrows should have maybe brought some of those along with you huh this new warren's gonna be kind of a sausage fest see that would require forward planning and i think you know exactly how well boy rabbits planned (laughs) they would have been too busy fucking anyway (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they never would have made it out of the warren because they just would have been fucking. But then they see another rabbit chilling in the field. A strange rabbit. Big old titties. No, it's a boy. He does not have big old titties. Big old cotton balls. Oh, gosh. He says his name is Cowslip and that they should all come and check out his sweet warren. It's totally awesome and it's full of empty burrows and that rabbit's going to fucking murder them. And Fiverr's like, bro, I, I got a bad feeling about this, but Hazel is, you know, who was trusting his brother's feelings and, and visions and, and precognitions is like, shut up. I don't care about your uncanny ability to sense the future anymore. And they go off with cowslip. You dumb bunnies. Hey, RJ. What's up? What do rabbits use to make beer? Bunny hops. Yeah. God Come on, man. Hey, <laughs> what kind of cars do bunnies drive? Volkswagen rabbits. Hop rods. You know what? Chris's was better. No. Hop rods is pretty stupid. So there's some weird shit happening at Cowslip's Warren. For one thing, it's like really exposed and Cowslip's like, yeah, it's just because there's like no predators around. And they meet some other rabbits in the Warren and they don't seem to really care where like Hazel and the gang are from. And they also won't answer much in the way of questions. And also, they make rabbit art, which is apparently a weird thing for rabbits to do. But hey, like, so is predicting the future. So maybe don't judge, guys. I want to say here, too, that this is a part where I turn to my wife as we're laying down to go to sleep. And she's yelling at me that I should go to sleep and stop reading the book. And it's like, hey, there's something really weird about this Warren. And I don't know what it is yet. But there's all these rabbits. 
And they're like, yeah, cool. Here's some food. Go eat it. All right, cool. Hey, where's our friend that we saw five seconds ago? Okay, bye. (laughs) Don't worry about it. Also, I just love the idea of you like in bed with your wife and turning over and being like, honey, I I, I know something's up with this war and something ain't right. (laughs) These rabbits are in danger. Go to sleep, Chris. It's after 11 o'clock. But the rabbits! This true story brought to you by Megan and Chris. So, yeah, there's weird things going on. And also, the reason that there's a bunch of food is because a human is apparently coming by and regularly dropping it off. And Fiverr is just like, we, we, need, we need to get out of here. Like, we need to fucking go, man. Like, my spider sense is, is tingling. But there's food. <laughs> but there's food. Uh, but then, Bigwig gets caught in a snare. And everything becomes clear. The human feeds the rabbits and keeps them safe so he can kill them every now and then, just, you know, at his leisure. So Cowslip and the gang pretty much lured Hazel and co. into the warren to be human sacrifices. I don't think it's human sacrifices. It's Rabbit sacrifices. It's called dinner. <laughs> well, they're, they're, they're sacrifices for Cowslip and the other bunnies. That's just good warfare. Self-preservation. Okay, okay you know what? Fine. Either way, Hazel and and the other rabbits manage to escape Cowslip and his rabbit death cult, and they finally make it to the promised land from Fiverr's vision, Watership Down. And along the way, they get a new friend who escaped from the evil snare warren. Oh, yes, that's right. Uh, strawberry? Strawberry fields forever. I don't know. There's like 12 million there rabbits. There are. I can't There's so many names. rabbits, and they all have fucking plant names, and it's really hard to keep them straight, but. Anyway, they're at Watership Down, and it's great, except they still can't dig burrows because they're a bunch of useless boys. But just then, Captain Holly from Sandalford Burrow appears, and he's just, like, looking real fucked up. And he tells them that humans came and pumped poison gas into Sandalford Warren because if there's anything that all of this classic literature we've plowed through has taught us, it's that... Anybody? British people like traumatizing their kids with literature. Well, probably that, but also that it's humans that are the true monsters. Every book. All the books. I guess. Humans are the real beasts. Even in the Jungle Book? Well, we haven't done the Jungle Book. I'm talking about all the stuff we have done. How about Jaws? Yes. The mayor of Jaws Town? No, the shark is the monster. Well, yeah, but the mayor keeps the beaches open even though he knows people are being attacked. The shark's just doing what sharks do. What's the name of the town? The mayor of Jaws Village? Either way, man, humanity, the real beasts, and by beasts, I mean rabbit murdering, animal poisoning, walking garbage heaps of used dildos. Amity Island. Amity Amity Island. Jaws Town. Yep. The Amityville Horror. Those are two different things. Nope. Are you sure? No, I'm not. It was Jaws in that house. Jaws was what was haunting the family in the Amityville house. Uh, But Holly and another rabbit named Bluebell had managed to escape before being poisoned. And uh, we get another story about El El Hawatha, Elvis. And the gang also finds a wounded seagull. And they nurse him back to health so that they can become friends and also use him as a scout to try and find them some lady rabbits so they could commence to doing what rabbits do best. And the seagull is Russian. And the seagull is Russian. The seagull finds a farm with some girl rabbits on it, and then he also sees, like, another warren. And so they kind of split up where Captain Holly and some rabbits go to the other warren, and Hazel and co. head to the farm, which is called Nuthanger Farm. (laughs) It's okay. You can laugh. 
You're allowed. It's funny. It's a farm called Nuthanger. <laughs> what do you call a bunny that tells jokes? Uh, a funny bunny. No, Nuthanger Farm is funnier. Yeah. Boo. Boo. Uh, so they meet some domesticated lady rabbits, and they try to run some rabbit game on them like, Hey girl, your ears are neat, and your tail fluff is really sexy. On fleek! <laughs> Hey, hey, how'd you get out there? Uh, you wanna, you wanna abandon this comfortable life and live out in the wild in constant fear of death? In exchange, you can dig our home for us. Sounds awesome, right? <laughs> but I'm already in a cage right now. Nah, nah, this is a sexy outdoor cage. <laughs> oh, okay. And it's as simple as that, because the girl rabbits will go with them. Except that they suck at pulling a rabbit jailbreak and they get caught by humans and chased by a dog. Except then Hazel rushes in, a distraction that allows them to escape, except... Bang! Hazel gets shot. R.I.P. Hazel, you had a fluffy butt. The other rabbits return back to Watership Down to deliver the news that Hazel got got. Was it Bunny and Quad? (laughs) (sighs) How many of these could you possibly have left? Fiverr has a dream that tells him that his brother is still alive. And so they return to the farm, and they find Hazel, and he's still kicking, and they bring him back home. But only with one leg. Yeah. Well, what are you going to do? Meanwhile, Captain Hawley talks about the other warren that he had found when looking for rabbit babes called... Deathland. E-E-F-R-A-F-A. It's just, it's like he wants it to just be a just... Just hard to say. Death alfalfa warren. So it's apparently a bunny dictatorship run by a rabbit named General Woundwort. Holy shit. You fuck all these these hazels and dandelions and cowslips and whatever. Fucking General Woundwort. And he's like the biggest rabbit you have ever seen in your entire life. Like one of those New Zealand rabbits. They're like the Maine Coons of, of the rabbit world, where they're just obscenely large. I picture him like wearing an army helmet, and he's probably like chomping on a cigar. All scarred up from all his past battles. Yep. General Woundwort. Damn. So speaking of scars, General Woundwort actually scars all the rabbits in the Warren to like mark them as members of the Warren just kind of screwed up and controls like when they sleep and eat and does not allow any rabbit fucking because the warren is super overcrowded but he also doesn't let anyone leave which doesn't make a ton of sense you got too many rabbits in your warren let them out of your fucking warren but i will go as far away as you want no but but no fine i am general woodward that's how he sounds that's that's what his voice is in fact, when he finds Captain Holly, he doesn't even want to let him go, but he does escape. And so Hazel, fresh off his fucking gunshot wound, is like, Alright, let's bust into Alfalfa, let's rescue some hot rabbit ladies, and, and let's let's do it. And so they do. The rabbits begin their journey to With no real plan, but like, you know, I'm sure it'll work out fine. Then we get a chapter all about General Woundwort, and how his family was murdered by humans, but... He was saved by one human, but like, fuck it, he hates humans, and he hates other rabbits, and he hates everyone, and he rules his warren with an iron paw? Would it be a paw? Ear. You don't rule things with an ear. Yeah, you whip them with the ear. Yeah, you Maybe. Because they call it like a lucky rabbit's foot, right? So would he be ruling with like an iron foot? 
Anyway, uh, Bigwig infiltrates the Warren by being accepted into Woundwort's Ausla of, of rabbit police. And he scopes out some lady rabbits that really want to get the hell out of Alfalfa so they can go and fuck like God intended. He hatches an escape plan and manages to evade Woundwort and his rabbit police and get away with the girl rabbits. It's like a whole big rabbit heist. Wait, you're forgetting the most fucked up part. If the girl rabbits start to make baby rabbits, but there's not enough resources around for the baby rabbits to survive, the girl rabbit's body just reabsorbs the baby rabbits. And I don't know if that's real or if that's just them being like weird. This is why we're not having babies. Either way, it's totally fucked up. It's super fucked up. I know that one of the epigraphs, because there's every chapter begins with like an epigraph that has a quote from like one of the super intense, obscure literature stuff I was talking about before. And I know one of them is about like a book literally just about like, this is how rabbits do. So presumably he knew how rabbits do. And maybe that's a real thing. And if it is, fuck. Yeah, my brain glossed over that when I was rereading it for whatever reason. Because it's totally fucked up. It is. It's horrifying. It's icky. But you know what? Whatever. They, they got him. They got him out of there. And now the babies can come out of their their bodies. And, you know, things are pretty great at Watership Down. They got a warren. They've gotten down to some good old-fashioned rabbit fucking. So, like, everything's perfect. They got their female slash slave labor to make their holes. <laughs> they did. They got, they got their lady rabbits to make their holes. <laughs> Except there's just one problem. One? They need more lady rabbits. <laughs> Except there's just two problems. General Woundwort has discovered the location of Watership Down because when they escaped, one of his captains followed them there. And so he's coming with a literal, actual army of rabbits to come and fuck them up. And Woundwort is fucking pissed because the escape made him look bad and like he's lost some of his scary dictator bunny authority. So Hazel goes out to meet Woundwort to see if they can avoid a fight. He suggests that they make a third warren between the two warrens, so everyone can keep fucking and be chill. But if there's two things we know Woundward hates, it's both fucking and being chill. And so he declares war! And above all, he hates Bigwig letting Hazel live and go back because he wants to personally fuck Bigwig up. This is true, because um, Bigwig is the one who snuck in and pretty, you know, was, was recruited as a member of his rabbit police. So he doesn't even at first realize that Hazel is like the rabbit in charge of things. He thinks it's Bigwig because, well, his name's Bigwig. He's big. Yeah, he's big. His name's Bigwig. You know, it implies as such. But yeah, no, Woundwort wants to wreck Bigwig. And so it's Bunny War. So cute. Killer bunnies all over the place. Yep. The rabbits of Watership Down plug up all the entrances and exits and prepare for a siege. An adorable siege. Isn't that what happened to their old Warren? Well, no, that one just got poisoned and, and horrible. <laughs> but they plugged up all the holes. They're plugging up all the holes in their new home when their old home had all the holes plugged up. They're just repeating history here. It's war, Chris. These things happen during Buddy War. War. But the Geneva Convention and gas, it's outlawed. <laughs> The buddies don't have a Geneva Convention. Oh, okay. War. Uh, what is it good for? Absolutely <laughs> nothing. Don't say it again. Hey, man. What kind of music do bunnies listen to? Hip-hop. Hip-hop. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, in the midst of this siege, Hazel has an idea, almost delivered to him, in a vision, like what usually happens to Fiverr. And he sneaks away with a couple rabbits back out to Nuthanger Farm. <laughs> nut hanger their plan is to literally let slip the dogs of war except there's only one w one one dog of war and a cat well, we, they don't know about the cat yet 
They're going to free the Nuthanger dog and lure it back to the Warren so we can murder Woodwort and his rabbits. <laughs> Sorry, you said Nuthanger dog. I super did. But that's cold. Like, that's some cold shit. Hazel is a stone-cold, fluffy little bastard. They free the dog, and he chases after some of the rabbits as planned, but Hazel gets caught by a cat, because, like, why should anything ever be easy for these rabbits? Meanwhile, Woundwort attacks, and he and Bigwig get in, like, this brutal, like, vicious one-on-one fight that's, like, super hardcore, as long as you make sure not to think about two little bunny rabbits swatting at each other. Just like, <laughs> I believe that's an eagle. <laughs> it's not a noise a bunny makes. <laughs> I thought you said you owned a bunny. Are you sure you didn't just own an eagle and that's why it bit you? (laughs) Okay, good answer. So, they're having their sick fight, and um, they're both pretty wounded. And then comes the dog. Everyone freaks out and and runs, including Woundwort's rabbit army, but General Woundwort is like, fuck it, I'ma fight this dog. General Woundwort. Yeah, that. He, He makes that thing you just did. And he goes like, let's do this. And we don't get to see what happens to the good general, but uh, that's probably for the best. And then we get a chapter from the point of view of a girl named Lucy Kane, a little British girl who lives at Nuthanger Farm. Now I get to say Nuthanger in a British accent. <laughs> she saves a cute little bunny from her cat and she nurses him back to health. And, and she takes him to see this nice old uh, vet named Dr. Adams. Really? Yeah, some self-insert going on there. And then they, they let him go in a, a field not too far from their farm. So I guess this is like Adam's way of saying like, oh, well, maybe not all humans are spiteful, charbroiled wangs. Like me. <laughs> but most of them are. So Hazel is returned to Watership Down and the war is over. And no one knows what happened to Woundwort because they never found his body, which is, you know, kind of ominous. They have, like, these legends now where it's like, some say he's still out there fighting a dog to this very day, but he's probably dead. But yeah, no, otherwise everything is coming up Watership. And it is, like, really, that's it. The rabbits keep on fucking. Alfalfa Warren is is freed and it mingles with Watership. Fiverr has a kid who's also psychic. And Hazel lives way longer than a normal rabbit. And when he dies, he's greeted by the, the magical myth rabbit El- El- Elvis and he's like fucking taken up into like the stars and he doesn't and it's just it, he did it he did it he led his people of freedom from the scary home and he made a place for them to have a new life and it's gonna survive him and it's gonna prosper did it you guys there you go bunny claps all around the end at least until someone builds a fucking mini mall over them. Humans! That really was a hair-raising tale. It, it was, wasn't it? Let's talk about some adaptations. So, Adams just kind of up and decided to make a sequel to Watership Down 25 years later, in 1996. You gotta it, pay them bills. I suppose, but yeah, you gotta strike while the iron's hot over 20 years later. Whole new group of kids. <laughs> calls it Tales from Watership Down, and it's basically just what it says. It's a collection of short stories fleshing out the mythology and the world of the previous novel. It's been adapted for the stage, presumably, like, 
Lion King on Broadway style, I would assume. I, I couldn't find too much on it, which is t- too bad because I, I looked. I wanted to see what this stage play of Watership Down would look like. Presumably amazing. I'm thinking furries, but sadly we will never know. Uh, so the book also inspired the creation of a role-playing game called Bunnies and Burrows. <laughs> it's just fucking great. Uh, honestly, I genuinely think it's a, a book and a world that lends itself well to like being a game system. I think that sounds pretty cool because there's a lot of like interpersonal politics and things and adventures and stuff. In 1978, this is what this is what we've been waiting for. It was adapted into an animated movie that has gone on to scar multiple generations of children. It mostly stayed true to the novel, though it pared down the plot a bit. A bit? Yeah, a bit. Ugh. We're gonna get there. It was actually a huge hit when it came out. It was a major box office success, despite the fact that British parents were extremely pissed about this movie with, like, gory, disturbing rabbit death, that it was given a U rating, which is, like, the equivalent of G. It's almost lower than G. Like, it means safe for, like, ages four and up, which... <laughs> no! So these parents who thought they were taking their toddler to like a fun rabbit movie must have had like a fantastic experience traumatizing their child. And the animation style is like that weird 1970s, like not quite rotoscoped looking animation that somehow just makes things more visceral. I don't know. Call me crazy. We're going to get two very different perspectives here because I saw this movie 20 years ago and I've not seen it since. And I'll tell you why in a second. Chris saw this movie last night <laughs> it's true so you you can go first so i definitely read the book first because i didn't want the movie to ruin anything and in one sense i'm really glad that i did because it's always nice to read the book first before you see the movie so that you can go have discussions later with people about how much the movie sucks because it doesn't follow the book because those are always fun on the other hand they seem to leave so much out from the book plot I was texting Megan while I was watching this. I feel like I fell asleep and missed things. And this movie is the fucking spark notes of the cliff notes. I, you know, what I was reading was saying like, oh yes, it's so, it's true to the original vision of the the novel. And I'm like, I don't remember. And I'm not going to watch it again to find out. Also, RJ right now is looking up because he has not seen the movie at all. He's looking up pictures and he's showing me pictures of General Woundwort looking real scary and fucked up and being like, is this, is this it? And it's like, yes. What a movie. (laughs) Yes. Oscar. So I saw this movie. It has to have been at least 20 years ago. So I don't remember, honestly, if it was like at in aftercare or summer camp or something, because I was like fucking seven years old. But I nonetheless have vivid memories of just blood covered bunny rabbits and little scared bunnies staring at fields of blood and just all kinds of fun shit. Like, I'm assuming the teacher or the counselor or whoever the hell found this dusty ass VHS in the back of a closet by the TV that's on like the little rolly tower because that was back when, you know, they'd roll out the TV on the little rolly tower with the the VHS player. They were like, yes, bunnies. This will occupy a bunch of seven-year-olds nicely. (laughs) No. And then presumably they started the movie and left the room. It takes approximately two seconds before there's blood. I know we made it past the blood fields because I remember the blood, the bloody rabbits from later. I don't know if we did finish the whole thing or not. I don't think we did. 
Because I think it got to the point where they're like, whoa, wait, like, you know, they came back from like their smoke break and were like, oh, shit. <laughs> the movie is bonkers because it's 70s and it's screwed up. And apparently, according to Chris, who has seen it much more recently than I have, it don't make no sense. There was also a TV show that ran for three seasons from 1999 to 2001. And it was apparently a kinder, cuddlier version of the story. Like, the showrunners were actively going like, We promise this TV show won't fuck your kids up with bunny death. It's safe now. Well, why would they make it then? That's like making Battle Royale for five-year-olds. What would Battle Royale for five-year-olds even look like? Would they just be bonking each other on the head with, like, stuffed animals? Until there's only one five-year-old left, because actually I would watch the crap out of that. I would too. See, there you go. But if you want your rabbits bloody, then I have good news for you, sir. There is an upcoming Netflix miniseries, joint work between Netflix and BBC. It was supposed to come out last year, but apparently it's going to be coming out at some point late this year. And it's going to be a miniseries split into four one-hour episodes featuring the voices of James McAvoy, Ben Kingsley, Gemma Arterton, John Boyega, Rosamund Pike, Tom Wilkinson, and Daniel Kaluuya, to name a few. I am super in. Unless it's like a weird, crappy CG. Then I'm less aboard. But there has been absolutely no promotional footage, so we won't know till we get it. But it sounds cool. I'll watch it. So a striking amount of musicians and bands have been inspired by Watership Down, including like a lot of hardcore bands, a lot of like screamy metal bands, which is interesting. I'm assuming these were kids who were traumatized by the movie. I just want to like mention a couple that just stuck out to me, which is first that Skrillex record label that he made is named Ausla, like the rabbit police. So ring a ring. The other one is uh, Vanessa Carlton. Vanessa, making my way downtown. Making my way downtown. <laughs> do, 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 do. Do, 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 Well, she put out an album in 2011 uh, called Rabbits on the Run that she says is inspired by Watership Down and Stephen Hawking's A Brief History of Time. Okay. So that's, that's a thing. Apparently it's pretty good. I'd meant to have listened to it before we did this, but I forgot. So I'll let you, I'll let you guys know. We'll see. I'll, I'll report after. And that's it for adaptation. So it's, it's enjoyed a pretty healthy pop culture life, despite RJ not being aware of it. And we're going to get new Watership Down material at some point this year, probably. Which brings us to, hey, RJ. So... Yeah, I got any opinions yep. on this rabbit book. Do I? Making my way downtown, walking fast, faces fast, and I'm homeward bound. <laughs> You're homeward Stay- bound? <laughs> or I'm homebound. <laughs> homeward bound is also another horribly sad movie. Staring it blankly ahead, just making my way, making a way through the crowd. Okay. Yeah, I do have thoughts. Okay, what are your thoughts? Oh, here's the thing. There's bunnies <laughs> doing adult human things. Fucking? That, killing, messing with each other, using human ethics. I get it. Oh, very thinly veiled. This book wasn't about bunnies at all. It's just a guise for him to sell the book to children. Okay. Three thumbs up. All right. Good stuff. Megan. Yeah, RJ? Watership Down. Took you a second to remember the name of the book. Vanessa Carlton. Making her way downtown. Your thoughts. I mean, I think it's a, a cool book in what it manages to pack into a, a children's story. It's 
very dense. It makes these references and allusions that are going to go over kids' heads, but is still telling a story that they can easily follow. The, the world building is just insane, you know, that there's, there's lore and mythology and this language and just so much, like, time and effort and, and love put into it. And it's like, you can kind of really tell that this is a thing that he made for his kids, that there is just a lot of heart and investment in it. And so rereading it was fun and and actually knowing what the hell was being quoted at the beginning of each chapter, except for the, the times I still didn't where I'm like, who is this German man who is telling me about war? It's a really cool book. It was fun to revisit it. I will never watch that movie again as long as I live. Hey, Chris. Yep. Watership Down. Good, bad, tearjerker. I'm highly disturbed that this is considered a children's book. I had to have my stuff Snoopy with me the entire time I was reading it. There were parts where I had to go get my cat to lay down with me as well. You do what you gotta do. I have to assume that Richard Adams hated his children and wanted to traumatize them. <laughs> that being said... It's dark. Find your favorite lit teacher. And by that, I mean the one that ruined your life. And show them the movie. Because even though they've watched it, it will still disturb them. And then you can sneak out of class... And go hang out under the bleachers. Stay, stay in school, kids. Stay in that school. Don't, don't you, don't you leave that school. I see you. Okay, so did, did, was that a not positive from you? I don't know how I feel about this book. Okay, fair. <laughs> I was led to believe that it was a story about bunnies, and there were probably some sad things. I was not led to believe that you would have the entire genocide of a bunny warren, or a total war. <laughs> Or ripping a bunny's ears off. Oh, yeah, that happened. Or bunnies running around trying to get lady bunnies so they can make baby bunnies. Or a complete ripoff of Norse mythology. Yeah, that's in there, too. I, I do. I did gloss over a lot of the mythology because we, we only have so much time. But, uh, yeah, Watership Down. Maybe don't read it to your kids. But read it. Why not? And if you hate your kids, read it to your kids. Yeah, fuck them. No! <laughs> no! No! Don't fuck your kids! God damn it! <laughs> Feed your kids rabbit. Fine. Yes. Do that. Yes. Do that. And that'll about do it for this episode of Ono oh Lit Class. If you like this, I'm. What's wrong with you? No. We we love you and we appreciate that there's someone out there enjoying this right now. Thank God. Otherwise, who knows what we would be doing? You can show that appreciation by subscribing to us on iTunes, leaving us a review, giving us a rating. If you leave us a review, that'd be really awesome. That gives us warm, fuzzy feelings inside. You can. Follow us on Twitter at OnaLickLassPod. You can check out our Facebook group. And you can listen to us at OnaLickLass.com. And we're on the Brain Trust Network. And you know who else is on the Brain Trust Network? A rabbit. It, it, it's you. Yes, I am. Tell the people what you do and where they can find you. You can find me over at playcomics.com, where we look at video games based on comic properties and how well they stick to that source material. Spoiler alert, sometimes they don't. Much like this movie. Hey, Meg. Hey, RJ. I got one more question. You got one more question? Before you do that, um, I just want to say, because we haven't done this in like five or six episodes because we're horrible people, thank you to Best Day for the use of our intro song. Um, and that you can listen to all of his great music at soundcloud.com slash best-day. Or you can listen to both of our shows. That's true. He also did the theme music for Chris's show. All right. Go ahead. Hey, Meg. Yeah. How many hairs are in a bunny's tail? How many? None. They're all on the outside. Mm. Mm. Our next episode will be out on July 5th. Until <laughs> then, I'm Megan. My name is RJ. 
And I'm Chris. We love you. Bye. If I could fall into the Are you going to try to do the whole stop? Do you think time would pass me by? I'm going to cut by? all of this out so you're just making you it longer for yourself. Because you know I walk a thousand miles <laughs> if I could just see, see you tonight. tonight. You know, I would walk 500 miles to keep that in the episode. But would you walk 500 more? Yes, because I'd have to get back home. I would walk by. <laughs> no, that was not a cue. This podcast is brought to you in part by the Brain Trust Brothers Network. For more information about this podcast or others, visit braintrustbros.com.